The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. I'm Matt Stagner, joined, as always, by Ron Cobb, Jr., on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network here. We're two preseason games down. It's a good time to check in and see how we're feeling about this Chiefs team headed into the season, Ron. Where are you at? It is a perfect time to check in, Stags, to get to get back together. We're on the the the, the bi-weekly or the every other week schedule, but we will be getting back to weekly for the people uh, once the season gets going, which we're we're about there. So I think it's a great time to check in. Two preseason games into it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It was the pre the second preseason game was definitely uh, more encouraging than the first preseason game. Stags. We haven't talked since either preseason game, um, but yeah, I would say the second one was definitely a little more encouraging. The starting defense didn't get ran through for two possessions right out the gate. So uh, I don't know how are you feeling about about uh, about the Chiefs two preseason games in. Yeah, this was a nice uh, easy win to get you uh, to get you feeling confident in this team, at least in the offense. I, I feel like a 38 to 10 victory over the Arizona Cardinals on their on their turf, on their questionable turf. It is yeah. an opportunity for us to sit back and just marvel at the fact that the Chiefs had what 17 players catch a ball, uh, <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the receivers, uh, you know, it just felt like a passing game clinic. Every quarterback looked good. Every receiver made plays and. Uh, yeah, the defense was was good enough. Yeah, no, I, I was joking, and not really joking. Maybe honestly, I, I shouldn't say I'm joking because I did tweet this out. But like, hey, if, if if some team is really desperate, you know, if they look at this Chiefs preseason so far, these backup quarterbacks have uh, have looked pretty good. You know, if they really feel like they need someone to come and make some plays for them, got some injuries at the quarterback position. Man, Gabbert's been slinging it. Uh, you know, he's a little inconsistent. But Bouchelle, man, that dude's a, a playmaker. So it is it is funny. We'll talk about the QBs a little bit, but. No, it is. And what, it is. Can you, what can you take away from preseason, right? It is the starters aren't there the whole game. So, in some sense, it's a depth competition, right? If who has right. a better depth chart between the Chiefs and the Cardinals, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> um, but you know, you like to see guys up and down the roster making plays and 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 really showing out 
better than the team they're playing against. Yeah, but that's the thing is, do you think we've seen enough uh, from the starters? Uh, do you think they do need to play a third game at all this preseason? Because, you know, last year, Andy had them play similarly uh, as this year where you saw one possession of Mahomes in the first game and then a pretty decent chunk of him in the second game, and then they sat him the third game. But that's the thing is, is the year before, and the first time that we've seen three preseason games for, in the NFL, he did actually have Mahomes play a third time in that third preseason game. He actually led two touchdown drives against the Vikings at home. Uh, I was at that game. I remember it was it was Tyreek beat Bashad Breeland on a go route, uh, you know, uh, on the first possession. Kind of a fun way to go into the the break. But it, it's interesting because I think one thing that I had in my five things to watch was that would the field be so bad that maybe Andy does delay that dress rehearsal until he gets back to Arrowhead. I don't think so. I think we did see that that dress rehearsal from the starter stags, but I don't know. What do you feel like? Do you think uh, they should roll them out anymore this preseason? Now maybe this is a dumb question, but when you the game you were just talking about was that back when there were four preseason games versus no, three? Okay. no, it was the first year they had three preseason games. Right, we only okay. have three years. We only have two years of of sample size. Right, uh, it's only been two years, but yeah, that first year he did have the guys play. Last year he did not have them play in that third game at all. Yeah, no. I'm 100% good with resting the starters <laughs> the rest of the preseason. And I, yeah. I don't, there's nothing else I need to see from this team, again, especially on offense. They're hitting on all cylinders. You know, again, I think you've got a, you've got great youth on this team and, and really, really probably the best depth they've, they've ever had, uh, at least since I've been watching. I think they have this opportunity now to let some of those more, – more of those young guys get the reps, uh, keep the, the first team – you know, on the shelf, let's, let's keep them healthy, especially given that it's a Thursday night game that they'll play to That's open up point. the season. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's put those guys in bubble wrap for a couple of weeks. No, that's, that's actually probably a, the point to make maybe is that, yeah, they do have those three days, you know, lost in, in week one when they're playing that Thursday night opener. And that's probably what's going to factor in. Cause yeah, it, it, I, I, it is interesting. Cause last year they played on the road in that third preseason game and the second game was at home. So maybe there's something there where, you know, uh, it's just no reason to bring the starters out on another field. But, in you know, the Vikings game was at home, was in Arrowhead. So maybe just, hey, we trust our stadium, get the guys, you know, feeling good in our stadium with our fans. You know, maybe there is something to that. So it, it'd be interesting. But Any other big takeaways from the preseason? If, if, I think we both agree that they've, uh, you know, they've had the tune-up that they needed, right, with, at least with this, this week's game. What are some other things that you can take away from the preseason so far that maybe surprised you or that you are, you know, encouraged by, or that you're, we'll get to our concerns in a minute, but we'll, let's stay positive here for the first take. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the rookies, I think one thing I've, I wanted to kind of emphasize uh, is that maybe we're, we're going to need to see, you know, where it's might take a little bit, you know, this off season, I've kind of wanted to make the point that this draft class might be more of a long-term uh, you know, where before we see their their true uh, impact, you know, where they really are, uh, you know, helping this team succeed. It might be in a few years rather than these past classes. Right. It's been right away. They're helping us win. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, Felix Enrique Ozama it, it look, moves different than the rest of the pass rushers. And Rasheed Rice, you know, you could almost say the same about him at his size, uh, you know, with the rest of the receivers. There's a certain you know, uh, movement ability combined with his size that that is intriguing. And, and he's played plenty with the starters. Um, so it's not like this has all been with the pre uh, you know, with the second team, although some of it has been. So, 
you know, my thing is, yeah, you know, there's definitely some rookies that it's st- that's still going to be the case, right? That it's still going to be a little bit till we see their best impact. But, you know, I, I do think maybe I, I, I didn't give some of these guys enough credit for how much they could impact the team right away, Stacks. I think that's a good take. The, I, I again, I had, I had lower expectations for this rookie class as well, but Rasheed Rice has been great. I think, you know, he's not technically a rookie, but I think Justin Ross can can sort of factor into that list as well as yeah. as guys who are really going to see their first NFL action uh, have been really uh, exceeding expectations. Uh, Generic Prince in some ways has. Even on defense, Shamari Connor is somebody that I, I didn't know what they were getting in him. He was not a name that I was really in on prior to the draft, but he seems like he's improved every time we've seen him. And, and he really may have that versatile skill set that, that allows him to contribute as part of the rotation right away. Dude, yeah, I, I, the second game, especially this past game in Arizona, um, you know, it was pretty cool to see him come out as the starting nickel defender uh, with the starting defense. Uh, you know, that's where Snead has played so much in his career. Uh, basically, since he's he's been drafted, he's been that nickel defender. They started finally giving McDuffie those looks, and it probably will be McDuffie, you know, depending on the look, but. It's kind of cool to have that wrinkle where, you know, Connor is a safety more than a corner. So you don't want to necessarily put him in coverage in that situation. But Spags obviously wants to use him as a blitzer because, you know, and I, I was wrong. I tweeted out that the first two times he was in the game, they blitzed him. That's not true. It was like two of the first four plays, I think. But again, they blitzed him pretty much right away um, from that slot position. Uh, you know, two of the first few plays he was in there. So I love that. Yeah, I think Connor will be will be kind of that that a little bit of a weapon, um, you know, at, in the dime and nickel defenses, depending on the situation. I think Spags is going to want to use him. And then you've got some unheralded rookies that, have, that are out there uh, making their case. Uh, Eco Boydo is is being being one, uh, and you know the other corner. Uh, I'll let you do the pronunciation on this guy, but the- oh my guy, <laughs> my guy Khalif Halasi. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun to see those guys really step in and look like they belong. And, and I think, I think you're going to have a loaded practice squad uh, on this team. If those guys make it through to, and, and sign those deals, I think there's going to be, you know, roster cut day is going to be fun, but I don't think there's going to be that many big surprises. I think you're going to have a big scramble to, to fill up that practice squad. Yeah, no, I've actually looked into, you know, projecting the practice squad and it, and it is tough because, you know, it's, it's hard. Sometimes we have our, have our chief shades on and we see someone doing really well in the preseason or in the training camp. And we think, shoot, we can't let him get to waivers. Well, <laughs> not everyone can see what you're seeing and and not everyone, you know, every other team has those guys that, that people think that of. Right. So, you know, it, it's like a guy like Matt Bushman to me is someone that I've been projecting to make the roster um, just because Matt Nagy's talked him up. Um, he has looked impressive to me in training camp, but it's not like he's doing anything this preseason where any other team and, and Hey, the third preseason last year was when he did go off. So I'm, I might be speaking too soon here. Um, but he's someone that, you know, they might still be able to just keep on the practice squad um, and still, you know, wait a year until, uh, you know, he kind of develops. But we'll talk about all that. Sh- should we get into concern level check-in uh, stags? Because we do have – there are some things to still be concerned about. We're talking all positively here. Um, I like to keep it positive. But, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's still the number one concern that's been hanging over this team – this entire off season. And, and really even before that, we were thinking about Chris Jones, how to get him a new contract. Is he going to be around? Is there going to be a holdout? Obviously he's now missed the entirety of St. Joe, the, all of the training camp that happened there. 
the first two preseason games uh, down. The chances of him signing this week and playing this weekend are pretty low. So I think he's effectively missed the entire preseason process. Why are you worried about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I definitely wish he would have made at least some portion of training camp. I do think Andy Reid's hard training camps make his teams good for a reason because it does get you ready. How many times have Andy Reid teams gotten off to 5 and 0 starts? It's because you know, it's because they're probably the most prepared out of any NFL team um to play right out the gate and that's part of it and you know, Chris Jones is a talent to do, but you know, there's something about game shape. You know, is he going to be at his best in the fourth quarter in game one? Because you know, at, at this point, I would, I would side with the fact that no, right? Like he's probably not going to be as good as he could have been if he was there all training camp. Like I, I mean, I think that's a fair thing to say. That doesn't mean he can't still get a sack in the fourth quarter and look great. It just means he may not be, you know, as 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 you know, uh, available or as you know, not fatigued, you know, in certain reps. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely. I definitely am not happy with the fact that he's still not here um, and, and it needs to happen. I mean, training camp's over. There's no, you know, he needs to get in the building stags. I, I think that's, I, I'm going to be more disappointed each day we, we go and he's not in the building. For sure. And <clears throat> the expectation all along is that he's not going to miss any regular season games, but you do have a little, I have a little bit of worry. You see some guys that have that missed the preseason or, miss training camp, and then what happens to them in the first couple times they play? They end up with a hamstring or or something going on, and you don't want to wish that on anybody, of course, but I would be a little concerned about his ability to, you know, to, again, be in game shape and be ready to go and and avoid injury once he's on the field. So I I don't know what the the holdup is in the contract negotiation. You know, I I don't know if the Chiefs have drawn a hard line that they need to budge on uh, or vice versa, but but yeah, you'd sure like to see something get done or for them to just shake hands and say, hey, it's not happening this year. Play out this year on the deal that you're on, and right. then we'll talk again next offseason. I feel like that's happened a couple times you know, for, for Chiefs negotiations, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. being one of those where they just said, hey, we're going to play out this year on the tag. We'll talk about it next year. Um, you know, Obviously, it's a different situation, but at some point I feel like that if that's if they can't get him on a long-term deal, then that is the resolution that has to happen. They have to just, you know, have a handshake deal that they'll talk after the season and then just focus on football for a while. Right. And in I think a lot of people would argue that, yeah, that should be done. You know, that handshake needs to happen sooner than later, right? You can't just drag this on into the first week of the of season and still thinking, you know, you're gonna come to each the side each side's gonna come to an agreement if you're really not going to. Um, yeah. yeah, my my speculation has always been that Jones is just, you know, he's really just, you know, he has the the ability to hold out and say and, and try to push for more and more. And look, at some point, he's not going to get it. We get closer to the season. It's like, all right, well, you know, there, there, there might be some settling there uh, on Jones's part, maybe. But I don't know. Maybe Jones is really going to push this to the end. But if the Chiefs aren't offering him a fair, a fair contract either, I'm not I'm not the one to say he just needs to sign it just to sign it either. So. Right. I'm really fast. I'm really interested to see what number is, is actually being offered. And obviously we may never know Sags, but yeah, we will. I, I don't think we will ever know because it feels like uh, there's been some of these negotiations where we thought they were talking the whole time and then they get to the end and somebody says they right. never even offered me a contract at all. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. I'm, I would hope that that's not the case here, but, but yeah, it, it's concerning at this point. Well, that sort of leads into our next big concern I think is, are the Chiefs going to have enough of a pass rush, uh, you know, to 
to compete this season. Obviously, Chris Jones is, is you know, part 1A of that pass rush, but he can't be all of it. And the rest of the, the pass rush has been maybe not as impressive this preseason as we hoped. Yeah, no, I, you know, Charles Amenehu's suspension sucks um, because, you know, I know I've talked about it before, but just him and Jones together on the inside, I don't think there is a duo of defensive interior rushers that a, a center guard group wants to face lead, you know, the least. I mean, I, I, I think that might be the case in the NFL just because Jones is so good, but also Amenehu just being such a long, he, he's, a, he's similar to Jones. He's just skinnier, not as beefy, not as strong. Um, but he has the same kind of movement skills, at, you know, freakish, you know, ability to, uh, to, you know, uh, move inside, you know, at that length and, and, and build without them, you know, it does really need to, you know, the edge rushers really do need to, you know, step up and create plays on their own. Right. When you have that inside pressure uh, from Jones and a it makes your life so much easier as an edge rusher. Carl Loftus, you know, he's going to run into sacks just by being close to the pocket and the quarterback taking those couple steps back on accident because, you know, Jones and Omenihu are just caving the inside of the pocket so hard. Um, but you do need now your edge rushers to create something. And, and that's where Felix has been, you know, definitely impressive. Um, it's been the preseason, right? He's not, you know, and, and we don't know for sure, but you're just talking about movement. You're talking about who's going to maybe, you know, get a move on a guy and, and, and get a guy to either get a hold on you because he got beat or, or you just get into the pocket, obviously, and disrupt the quarterback. It does seem like Felix kind of has that ability, that that juice, uh, you know, that kind of that bending, man. He just he really can, you know, bend his way into the pocket, kind of will his way around an offensive tackle at times into the pocket. When you don't necessarily see that a lot of times with the Chiefs defensive ends, a lot of times you see guys that just lean into the pocket and really, you know, it, it, it tightens the pocket, right? They corner it, but they're not necessarily getting into it, you know, and a lot of good quarterbacks can maybe step into that if there's no interior pressure. Again, Jones and Amenehu. If they're in there, there may not be that interior pressure, and that's where it becomes sacks, and that's where uh, Spagnuolo's pass rush is at its best. So, yeah, I it, Felix is kind of the the saving grace here, I guess is the point, right? Uh, I think if Felix can really harness those moves we've kind of seen, that unique ability around uh, among the edges that we've seen in the preseason, that's going to be uh, what's going to hold over the team until Menahue gets done, and then they can really terrorize from the interior. Yeah, they might have an interesting mix of of players and styles with with – Kind of the the more power approach of Karloftis, the speed of FAU. There's going to be some some interesting, you know, different levels, different you know timing that, that's going to be going to be fun to watch when it all comes together. Um, you know, I've been really excited about Ominihu and what he could bring, but something that surprised me, Ron. You know who had more uh, who had more sacks last year, Charles Ominihu or Mike Dana? Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. Good for Dana. I'm going to guess it's Dana. <laughs> Mike Dana had five last year. A many you had four and a half. And in fact, if you look at their careers, it's an interesting uh, comparison. Dana's played 78 games uh, and it has 10 and a half sacks. A many who has played 67 games has 11 and a half. So uh, not, not a dramatic difference. Uh, even, even though uh, Dana's played a few extra games as compared to, to many who so far, I, I say that not to, you know, impugn the ability of, of Charles Amenehu, but I, I do, I do hope for a big impact from him, and I do think of, of Mike Dana as a role player. And maybe I'm underestimating Dana and overestimating Omenihu, but we'll, we'll see how this this group comes together. I think, as you said, FAU could be one of those, 
wild cards that helps change the game or helps buy time until many he gets back. I also think just Spagnolo is going to be the guy. He's going to be he's going to have to blitz more. You're going to have to see mm-hmm. some unique, um, unusual pass rush, you know, opportunities like getting Leo Chanel in, involved in the pass rush, like getting. Uh, Chamari Connor on the blitz, like we talked about earlier. I mean, there's a lot of different things that they could do. They can send, uh, they can send Willie Gay Jr. They can do a lot of different things to to help complement the pass rush while they wait for Jones to get up to speed and Omenihu to get back from suspension. I think they're going to have to do some of that stuff and be creative, which really means they have to trust the back end of the defense. No, that's that's the thing. We've seen Spags get creative in training camp. Um, I mean, he's been blitzing a ton in the preseason, even with his starters and and even like maybe some of the higher level second uh, second team guys. So I think that's a great point too. Uh, Leo Chanel kind of even gave us a little bit of a, a preview into maybe a, a wrinkle they're adding uh, that I haven't. I feel like we haven't seen, but he called it the Joker role, and it's basically yeah, a, a linebacker kind of off the edge as a, as a rusher. It's kind of what we've always with Leo Chanel. We were like, oh, they could do this, and 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 maybe it's something that. You know, they just didn't feel comfortable doing last year. But like you're talking about manufacturing pass rush, that just might be something you have to do. Those three, 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 five formations where, yeah, it's three down linemen and then a linebacker is that fourth rusher, whether it's Willie Gay or Chanel, which he did mention Willie and Chanel are the ones, you know, it's it's him and those two are the ones kind of uh, working in that role. So it's interesting, man. But I do want to go back to your point because it is interesting. Omenahue and Dana played a very similar role in their in each of their defenses last year. That that situational inside rusher, right? That guy that is is kind of coming from the inside, taking advantage of, you know, the Niners had um, you know, a, a bunch of guys last year. I'm trying to think of who they had inside. Um, there's someone very good that I'm I'm missing. Eric Eric Armstead, I guess, um, from the inside. Um, to kind of go with Omenihu on the interior, then obviously Nick Bosa on the edge, uh, you know, and they had a few guys last year uh, from the edge. But, yeah, Omenihu had a 13% pressure rate last year, and, and Mike Dana had 11%. So, I mean, Dana had a really good rush rate from that as well, but Omenihu's rush rate's a little more, and I, I do think Omenihu's length is just a lot harder to deal with. And so I think he's in that, he's in a particular system where you could see his production even go you know, higher um, with with where he's going to be in. But he was in a very good system for that anyway, Stags, to your point. Like, he is kind of he, – he was put in a very, uh, you know, favorable situation last year. And, uh, you know, you could have se- you, you seen a little more. But he was just a situation rus- rusher, just like Dana was. So I like that comparison. It is interesting. Yeah, I would, I would love to see him get up to that 8-9 sack level, you know, and, and kind of be a, a, a little bit more of a difference maker. The Chiefs can make – as you saw last year, they can be amongst the league leaders in sacks with a whole bunch of guys that have five apiece, you know, four apiece, three apiece. Like you can, right. you can do it that way. You don't have to have, you know, two guys on the on the edge with ten apiece. But uh, I, I think there's there's some upside there. But but you know that suspension does really hurt. One last area of concern I want to check in with you on. What do you, what do you think about some of the injuries? You know, that's one of the biggest things you can do is get through preseason without any major injuries. The Chiefs have lost a couple guys that that we were excited about. Nazi Johnson, Jody Fordson out for the year uh, on injured reserve, both young players who who have stepped up in different ways. Um, They've got a couple of headline players, a couple of their, you know, just a tier below the top of this roster that, have been fighting some injuries and we don't know what their status is going to become week one. So first Kadarius, Tony, we know the story on him. He uh, injured himself the second he stepped out onto the practice field 
in St. Joe. But uh, do we think that he's going to be back for week one? And are we worried about it if he's not? Have the, have the other receivers showed enough to make you not worry about it? Yeah, no, I would say on the, on the Tony point, you know, there was that ESPN report that, you know, there was optimism he'd be ready for week one. And I would, I'm just not agreeing with that. I mean, I just, I just feel like there's no reason to rush him back because the receivers have looked so good. Let him start on the IR if he needs to. And and if he doesn't need to start on the IR, you don't need to force him on the IR. I mean, you can't do that. Obviously that I don't, I think that's illegal. Um, You know, not actually, yeah. Frowned upon. Right. Uh, You know, but no, I, I, I think if he's not, 100% keep him on the IR let these other guys develop and then that's the thing is with Tony if you're gonna be kind of fragile like he has been just he just needs to be a situational player like you can't you know work an offense around him and and at this point they really can't because he missed the entire training camp so it's not like they can work on they've been able to work on any of his kind of you know and and, you know they can't just put Richie James in there or whatever but you know, they've kind of maybe formed the offense. Maybe they've maybe moved on to an extent, right? Like they maybe all right, let's form the offense a certain other way. And now Tony can just fit in situationally. So to, to me, it's like there's no need to force rush him back. And then when he does get back, that's a huge luxury to have where he can just be your, you know, every once in a while he takes a jet sweep or a quick screen and he makes a huge play out of it because he's he's he is really good at with the ball in his hands in the open field. But I don't think, you know, I don't think they need to rush him back. So to me, I think the receivers have shown them enough to where it's like, let him get, do his thing. And, and it almost, I almost want to see, you know, Rasheed Rice in the first four weeks and, and kind of throw him into the fire and see how he does. Yeah, that's an interesting thought to, to say the Chiefs no longer have Kadarius Tony as their number one wide receiver. I, I don't know if we can say that officially or not, but if he's not the number one guy, then who is? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Do they have a number one receiver? I think Sky, Mar- <laughs> Sky Moore is going to be the leading leader in targets no matter what. I mean, even, I think even if Tony comes back, I think Sky is going to lead the, the receiving core in targets. Um, and MBS might lead the team in receiving yards. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, MBS is going to have that high of a yards per catch, uh, you know, um, yards per catch, you know, rate, and he's going to get enough balls. And if they connect on a few more deep balls this year than they did last year, which you you know they could have. My thing is just, yeah, I, I, I don't – there's there's a – there's a case to be made that Tony was never going to be their wide receiver one. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, I think, I think that talk beach puts that out there. It's, it's no harm, no foul to say that. And it maybe motivates Tony or, you know, maybe brings his value up if they do, you know, at some point, if, if, uh, if a team is like interested or something, but I don't think that was very legit that he's going to be their wide receiver. one. Yeah. I, I, they're going to continue to spread the ball around. Obviously the wide receiver one is Travis Kelsey. And then everybody else is, is, going to have their role and and maybe it doesn't matter so much. I, I've, I've made that case in the past that wide receiver one, wide receiver two, that order doesn't really matter. It's more about right. different roles, different skill sets. And, and Mahomes is going to spread the ball around again in his limited snaps. Uh, I believe I saw that Mahomes targeted nine different receivers in his 15 attempts. Uh, if I, if I recall correctly this week, uh, it is, it's going to be more of that this year, more frustration for fantasy football owners, but yeah. uh this offense it can be a well-oiled machine without a, a pure number one guy. Right. And, and yeah, I just think with Tony, I think he could, he can do a lot of the different stuff. He's already been in the offense. Like he can just come back in. There doesn't need to be this pressure on him to lead the receiving room and targets or something. Just, you know, get him a, you know, a handful of plays each, you know, a handful of targets, handful of handoffs or whatever each week. Andy will love to have him. I mean, Andy's probably, you know, he probably has plays ready to, to use once he comes back. So 
But it's yeah, just maybe I don't... McKinnon will both be saved for the postseason to some extent. All yeah. right, moving on to the final concern, uh, Legereus Sneed. Uh, and we have an article up on ArrowheadPride.com uh, on this topic uh, today from from our guy. But what uh, what's your level of concern about Sneed's knee? Yeah, shout out Dakota Watson. Um, the examines the injuries for us at Arrowhead Pride very well. Um, so definitely go check out his work. He kind of just lays out the timeline of it and what our concerns should be. And and you know, it it is interesting. I mean, this is something that that kind of popped up late last year, right? And uh, you know, he had the concussion in the AFC Championship game. Um, but he got cleared to play the next the, the following week. But all of a sudden, he uh, you know, he had this knee that pops up on the injury report, and so. You know, it's something that has lingered on. And, um, you know, I as, as, for a team that likes to play their starters in the preseason and, and likes to give them good work, like, I think it is notable that he hasn't seen any time really in training camp, I mean, or the preseason games. And it is concerning, um, you know, because I think as, as, as much as we can feel good about how this team has built the cornerback room to an extent, we've had injuries, not just Snead, but, you know, Nazi Johnson got hurt. Nick, John, Nick Jones is, is, is dealing with fractured fingers right now. We don't know how long that'll take. And, you know, there is this battle between Josh Williams and Jalen Watson, which it seems like Joshua Williams has won. Um, but I, I do think there's a reason he may have won that. You know, you, you know, Jalen Watson might be a solid guy who played well last year, but, you know, maybe there's some things he still needs to work on. And so it, it would be nice to have as many bodies in that cornerback room as possible because you're still dealing with, as, as good as Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson were last year, you're still dealing with day three, guys that are still you know learning and, and growing in the league so yeah it'd be nice to have Snead yeah you, you wonder if this was part of the contract uh the reason that Snead doesn't have a new contract yet is yeah. is this a lingering issue is it something that they're going to be concerned with long term uh it's popped up in the past and obviously seeing it now before the season even starts is, is concerning you'd have to think that if this were the Super Bowl or the playoffs he might go right they, they might not be as cautious with it but, you know, it is an opportunity for Chamari Connor and others to, to step in and make a difference in that role. And if that's the case, it maybe continues to, to build this idea that the Chiefs don't need to pay top cornerback money uh, until Trent McDuffie's up for an extension. They don't need to pay top cornerback money because they can draft and develop uh, and, and plug and play. Right. And, and I, th- I just think the cornerback room in general, I think Spags' defense, you know, he relies on strong safety play. He relies on, you know, manufacturing pass rush. You know, he's going to put his cornerbacks on islands at times, but a lot of times he's giving them a lot of help um, with those kind of things. And so that's why you're able to see guys kind of step in and play. So it's not even maybe about developing the cornerback position. It's about the defense kind of being cornerback favorable. Um, and, and that's where they've, they've gotten some solid bodies that know the defense. And that's all they really need, maybe. So, yeah, I think you're, there is a point there to, to be made. Fair enough. Well, the big thing we wanted to get through today is taking a look at the 53-man roster projections. This time next week, we'll be talking to you all about the final uh, initial 53 uh, after cutdowns. And so we wanted to, to kind of take a look at how many players they might keep at each position. Uh, what are some, you know, some, some question marks that we still have about the roster? Pete Sweeney definitely has uh, his his take up on the site. Uh, 3.0 is, is live now, so go take a look at that. But uh, we'll talk through position by position how many they're going to keep at each. We'll do it in our check-raise-fold format that we started last week. Uh, but maybe we'll take a break first and get to that right after. 
Uh, heading into break, we always have some fun trivia uh, or something uh, enjoyable. I decided we're going to give Ron his chance to talk about his his football glory, uh, <laughs> a la, like Al Bundy style. He's going to tell us about uh, uh, three, two truths and a lie from Ron's football career. Uh, and, and Ron, go ahead with, with that. Glory is not the right word to use, I would say. Uh, two truths and a lie, though, Stags. You, you got to pick out which lie, which one's a lie. So I have thrown a touchdown to a current NFL tight end. I've handed off a touchdown to an NFL running back. And I've been sacked by an NFL defensive lineman. There's a lie in there somewhere, but, but a couple of them are truths. So uh, you're going to have to pick out which one, Stags, on the other side. All right, welcome back to the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Sagner back with Ron Cobb Jr. We were just talking about Ron's high school glory days and what truths and lies he's telling about who he's played with. Uh, quarterback Ron Cobb having handed off to an NFL running back, having thrown a pass to an NFL tight end and been sacked by an NFL uh, pass rusher. Is that right? Yeah, one of them's a lie, Stags. All right. So – this, this is interesting. I have no idea. I, I'm pretty sure you have thrown to an NFL tight end. We know your your buddy. Uh, what's his name? Garrett Prince. Shout out. Garrett Prince is uh, is down in Jacksonville. Looking like he might make the roster down there, right? Like he's he's been the talk so, yeah. of the preseason for them. I think so. All right. So so we'll cross that one off. Handed off to an NFL running back or sacked by an NFL pass rusher. I mean, I could make a joke that. I could see you being sacked uh, quicker than, <laughs> than I could make in some of these plays. Oh, come on. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say the lie is that you, you handed off to an NFL running back. So I think you've handed off to somebody in the NFL, but I don't think it was a running back. Look at you. You're, you're invest, you're Mr. Investigator over there. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I, the trick is that I've handed off to an NFL player for a touchdown, but my guy, Deron Lowe, uh, actually just signed with the Chiefs. So if anyone's been following me on Twitter, I've been hyping him up. I'm excited for him. He's been with the Buccaneers and the Rams in his short uh, career practice squad. But he's getting a chance to make the Chiefs practice squad now. He just as, uh, got as a corner. signed last week. Yes, as a cornerback, exactly. So he is not a running back. But in high school, he was a running back, an electric running back. Um, and, and I definitely gave him a few touch. I, I I handed him a few touchdowns. Uh, he, he did the work. He did the work. I, it was actually a toss, I guess. I'm, now I'm remembering a couple more tosses. So, Yeah, we but, know uh, the most important part of any rushing touchdown is the handoff that comes from the quarter. quarter. Exactly. You know, it's got to have good form and everything, good timing. Uh, but, no, I, I do want to shout out to uh, Lawrence High School, Amani Bledsoe, NFL defensive lineman. He went to Oklahoma University. Uh, and did play for the Titans and Bengals a couple years in the league recently. Um, I think he's still on a practice squad. Um, but yes, he threw me to the ground one time, and I think that was one. It was like the one of the only times I was like, "Do I have a concussion right now?" I don't know. I can't. I can't really <laughs> tell. Uh, the lights got a little brighter. Things got a little quieter. It was kind of weird. But uh, you know, we're, it's it was a long time ago. I'm so, no doctor, uh, but if you have to ask that question, the answer is probably yes. All right. Hey, hey finish the game. So uh, you know, old school, old school, right there. Well, well, moving on to check, raise, and fold on the Chiefs' 53-man roster. Uh, keep in mind, of course, as as we always say, this is the initial 53-man roster, not the final 
a lot's going to change in the next week, not just from roster cutdown day, but when they announce the initial 53, you'll see changes within 24 hours after that. And so it's, this is no, this is not locked in or set in stone or, or written in Sharpie by any means, but let's go position by position. And let's say, you know, again, based on Pete's projection and what the chiefs have done in the past, uh, let's start with quarterback. And conventional wisdom says that they're going to keep three quarterbacks this year. Now, a lot of the talk has been about this rule change, which means that they could activate their third quarterback uh, if he's on the 53-man roster, even if he's not on the game day active list. But they generally wanted to keep three quarterbacks a lot of years in the past, it looks like. So how many are you going to check, raise, or fold on three quarterbacks uh, on the Chiefs roster? Yeah, I'm raising that. No, I, I do think it's it's three quarterbacks again. I mean, even before this rule got instituted that, you know, that third quarterback doesn't have to count towards that active game day roster, but he can still play. Even before that, they kept Bouchel last year because they were worried the Cardinals were going to take him. And Bouchel has definitely improved. I mean, he's shown improvement. And so I do think maybe we're a year away from Bouchel being that QB two potentially. Um, but I think for now, they'll just keep all three of them. Yeah, with all four quarterbacks in this last game being over 100 on the quarterback rating, yeah. uh, everybody, you know, or, or half of them throwing touchdowns. Uh, Bouchelle ran for one. I mean, this was a this was a showcase of these guys. Uh, I, I do think it's probably those three are locked in. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll raise on that as well. I think there's just – that just a, seems to be a given at this point. They kept three quarterbacks last year uh, with Bouchelle being one of those. Previous years, they only kept two. With Michelle, I think on the practice squad for at least one of those seasons, um, but I, I think there's they, he's shown enough that you want to keep him around. And with the rule change, it only makes sense for the, for, the, for them to have three on the roster. So right. let's move on to wide receivers. This will be a lot more fun. Our assumption now is that the Chiefs are going to keep six, probably seven wide receivers. So if if seven is the number uh, that that we think they're going to be shooting for this year. Are you going to, are you going to check raise or fold on seven wide receivers? I'm, raise, I'm raising it. Raise, raise it. No, I, I think seven receivers is the play this year. Um, just be, and, and honestly, I think specifically because Tony is, you know, I, we talked about it. I think if he goes to IR, then you still, you know, if you, if you only kept six plus him or including him, then you only have five active right away. I think they do want to have six because look at these preseason snap counts. You know, you had your three, starters and Justin Watson's one of those starters right they all played their fair share of snaps Justin Watson got 12 snaps with Mahomes this preseason uh and and the other two starters I'm mentioning is Skymore MBS they got plenty of snaps with with Mahomes Rasheed Rice got 11 snaps with Patrick Mahomes on the field Richie James got six snaps with Patrick Mahomes on the field and then Justin Ross actually got only two snaps they were both this past week but both ended up with a target to him both times he was on the field Mahomes targeted him one was uh Kind of a, it was a weird play, uh, off timing, kind of threw it low. Ross still could have caught it, but then the other one was that nice whip route where he really created separation. That was a really good thing to see. Yeah, I think they want all six of those guys to be involved right away, and that means you know including them plus Tony. So that's seven. So I'm raising that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. They they've never kept six, seven wide receivers before, at least not since we've been keeping yeah. track for the last ten years. Generally, it's been so it was five the last two years. Six the year before that, five the year before that. So since 2019, we're talking about five has been the the pre predominant number, not even six and, and never seven. 
But I, I do think if Kadarius Tony is going to IR, then they're going to keep seven, period. It's just going to happen. If Kadarius Tony is not going to IR, I think you could you could see a move there. But you're right. I, it's pretty hard to cut any of those guys and hope that you end up with them on the practice squad. You know, Justin Ross being, you know, the, the probably the still the last man in. I know a lot of people would want to cut Justin Watson before him. But, yeah, it, it's tough to find a cut there. I think – I think the fact that they've eliminated the fullback position, while it's not a one-to-one right. replacement, that gives them an extra roster spot, and, and they'll go seven. So we're all in on seven receivers, and we're all in on who those seven guys are. I don't think there's any arguments on on anybody else. Amir Smith, uh, excuse me, Amir Smith Marquette is is the only guy that is really like shown out, and he was fantastic this week. Uh, is in somebody who, you know has that opportunity to to be the the eighth wide receiver. Um, but I'm not sure he's done enough to push any of those other guys off the roster. Dude, yeah, that, that's a good point with Marset, Smith Marset. I think he's someone that uh like someone like Nate Tice, who I trust very much with with football knowledge for the athletic, uh great football breakdowns. He's loved Amir Smith Marset since he was a draft prospect for certain reasons, right? And and you can see kind of why he moves different at receiver. He's skinny, but he's st- you know he he was you know running through arm tackles, running through ankle tackles. Um, yeah, I think if he shows out in this last game, maybe there's a way they can dish him to a team because they really want to get him before anyone else does in the waivers or something. Um, cause he was a third round pick or, or no, excuse me, maybe a little later, but he's in his third NFL year. Um, but he was a draft pick at one point. So it's, it's interesting, but I, yeah, there's just no way he makes a team. I hope Ramihio, um, you know, and he will, he'll just be on the practice squad. That's, that's one of those guys you're like, Oh, I hope no one picks him up. Well, yeah, <laughs> he'll be There's fine. a lot of those guys in the league. Yeah, exactly. I, both of those guys would be phenomenal practice squad receivers for this team if they can make that happen. Uh, Smith Marset and, and Remedio both have return ability, so that that gives yeah. them a little bit of, of value there that you could see um, them them at least making making it a difficult decision for this team. But let's stick with seven. We'll stick with the the ones that we had in mind um let's move on to tight ends because i think this could be a little bit interesting we've had jody fordson uh obviously locked into the roster now that he's on ir how many tight ends do you think they keep pete has them keeping two initially with blake bell as being that 54th man on the roster that comes right back this team likes their tight ends though they've done four full tight four, four tight ends 20 and 21 and three the other years. So it, do you think that they're likely to go down as low as two tight ends on the initial 53 with, with Blake Bell floating? For me, I'm going to check on this. I, I'm i not sold on this idea. It seems to be conventional wisdom that, that Blake Bell will be cut and then re-signed whenever somebody goes on IR, probably Kadarius Toney. Uh, I'm not so sure that they, they want to let him go He's signed with other teams in the past. Obviously, he spent that year with Dallas. Uh, It's not a a guarantee that you get him back, and I sure don't think they want to go into the season with with only two healthy tight ends. Right, yeah, and here's where, you know, I can definitely eat some, uh, you know, eat some uh, crow a little bit, I guess, on uh, Matt Bushman, where, you know, I've I've been projecting him to make the roster for a lot of the preseason, trying to make him that breakthrough guy to replace Jody Fortson, but, I, I think I do agree with you. I'm checking here because I do get 
Pete's point, and I've been following that logic uh, myself a lot where Blake Bell is that, that practice squad guy. But at the same time, you know, we haven't talked about the running back position yet, but that's where, you know, where this gets interesting, kind of combined with that position where they could kind of go between two or three um, based on kind of what we've seen there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the thing with Blake Bell is he played seven snaps with uh, in the preseason with Patrick Mahomes on the field. Noah Gray played eight. So, like, they both kind of played similar amounts with with Patrick Mahomes. Blake Bell did take the quarterback sneak handoff, which whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there, there's there's good logic to say that the team is just going to have him as a third tight end, especially now that they don't even have to worry about trying to find a spot for Jody on the team um, right now. I mean, then Bushman's just going to be that practice squad guy, no sweat. You know, he, he's around, you know, uh, if they need him. So I think you're right there. So that's why I'm checking. Um, but I, I, I do get Pete's logic because to me, Blake Bell, he's 32 years old or 33 years, no, 32 years old. Um, and, and you're right. He has played with other teams in the past, but, you know, he's getting to that point. You know, I, you know, he, he's, he has a home here in Kansas City. You know, he's, he's kind of a local guy, right? He went to high school in Wichita. Um, you know, he's, he, he definitely, I think he, he's chilling here. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. And that's maybe the selling point where he doesn't have to go through the, the waivers when you cut him and, and you can just make that handshake deal, which we've seen them do with an Elijah Lee in the past, another local guy. So sure. it, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. It just, when I started looking at that room, especially again, with no fullback, you're depending on Noah Gray, probably as your fullback. And we did see, I will say, we did see Blake Bell line up at fullback, uh, you know, a few times in the preseason, too. So that's there a good go. point. That's a good point. But yeah, you can't go into the season with two tight ends on the roster and one of them being also your fullback. I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty lean. So, you know, if they're confident that Blake Bell's back, if that's a done deal, then, then great. But otherwise, I could see them going with three and then uh, making that move elsewhere. Moving on to running back everybody's favorite position to argue about other than wide receiver uh, running back, you know, Pete and conventional wisdom has us at four uh, with Pacheco McKinnon, Clyde and Eric Prince as being those, those four fairly well locked in. If you look over the history of who they've kept in the past, they've generally liked to have three or four running backs on the roster, but they've also had a fullback. So that, that to me, um, leaves that room a little thin if you go down as low as three. So if four is the number, uh, check razor fold on four running backs. I'm checking here too, because it's, it's, it goes along to me with tight end, you know, Daneric Prince has, this is where we need to talk about this stags. It is amazing kind of how we've seen this shift in, 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 in opinion, I guess, or just from the team, we're not talking public reception. I actually don't think the public understands the shift that has happened with Denaric Prince. I think we're still loving these highlight tapes we saw at the beginning of training camp, and and we heard about in OTAs. Um, the team clearly does not like him to an extent right now with the first team. He took no snaps with Patrick Mahomes in the preseason. Every first and second down snap went to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and every third down snap with Mahomes went to Jarek McKinnon. They didn't give Prince any any work with with the starting offense. And after that first preseason game, LaMichael Pirine started started working in front of him in drills, you know, and, and they kind of always have an order which in, in which guys go. And and Pete's there every day. And he and he made the note that before it was Prince as that second guy, right? Because Pacheco has the injury shirt on and McKinnon, you know, I think McKinnon just gets, you know, very little reps. And now it's Pirine right next at, right after Clyde, right? And you're seeing Pirine play hit over him in the preseason. I think it's possible that the Prince is just a pre a, a practice squad guy after all this hype. Like it's, it's, it's almost 
I don't want to say it's funny because I, I and I actually don't think it's really like a, a detriment to him or anything. I think we all just got excited. I'm I'm calling myself out personally. I saw this a running back go up and make catches, you know, back shoulder and and, and kind of down the field and, and made some impressive catches. That's what impressed me. It wasn't anything about playing the position of running back, you know, running between the tackles. It was it was never it was never anything like that. It was always like, oh wow, he made that over the shoulder catch, you know, really smooth. Yeah, I, it is kind of funny because now, you know, you're thinking like, well, did we just or did I just, you know, value the wrong things with with the hype? And now we're kind of seeing maybe that he might just need a year or, you know, a year in the practice squad and maybe just a little time on the practice squad until later this year, depending on what happens. But I do think he's going to be just a practice squad stash. And I think and I and so I think I'm checking that right now, but things can change because. Uh, you know, P Ryan could still be that fourth running back, right? But I'm not sure. Maybe then they just keep three running backs, and then Blake Bell's that easy third tight end. It's interesting, Stags. What do you What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise on keeping four running backs with okay. the asterisk that the fourth may be in question now, right? So I I think even last week, if you'd asked me, I I, I probably was still that Prince was the the maybe even the third running back on the roster that there's that somebody else might be in more jeopardy of leaving the roster than, than Prince even um, at this point, given how the preseason has gone, I think it's pretty well locked in that your top three guys are Pacheco when healthy and McKinnon and, and Clyde uh, that fourth player, maybe it's P Ryan, maybe it's Prince. Um, you know, in theory it could be Ely or somebody else, but in, it's likely going to be one of those two guys, but I do think they're going to keep four. And, and I think this is a position that takes a lot of wear and tear they need a lot of bodies there, uh, and, and I think, you know, who knows? May, maybe something will happen with Clyde. Maybe they will trade him, but I think at this point, especially given that we haven't seen Pacheco yet this preseason, I think you've got uh, you've got it pretty well locked in, and they need all four of those guys to get through a season, so uh, they're probably not going to risk it messing around there. So whether whether it's Prince or P. Ryan, they're keeping four, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I, I I do probably want to say four too. You're right. I don't think they would go three either way. Um, and so it probably is closer to a raise to me. And the other part with P Ryan is they were putting him in on third downs, even with the second team, uh, like when Prince was kind of getting the lead work, and P Ryan was the one coming in as that third down guy. So I think it tells you that they want to work him in as that pass down back too. Um, you know, and that's some, something where Prince might have been projected as because of his size, he could maybe pass protect and obviously he's been making plays as a receiver but you know Piran might you know might just be that guy that's that fourth back that they can trust to to kind of do the dirty work at the bottom of the roster and the other important note I guess too with uh Prince's downgrading of work is that Richie James was taking the first team kicker off return reps all of a sudden too so that kind of tells you something too. I mean, I'll throw out there it's it's very possible we're overreacting in both directions here because Preseason's the time to try stuff out and to get guys reps and, and see what you have there. So it, it might just be, all right, we, we know what we have in Prince now. Let's let's give P. Ryan his chance and then we'll sit back and compare the tape and see who we who we like better. It could it could be more that than a one's out of favor, one's in favor sort of thing. It's it's just hard to tell. And I definitely think that they were working Prince in at that second receiving back. So McKinnon's direct backup. Uh, be in the roster spot that, that's available there. That's what I'm saying, though. Not in the preseason games. I thought so in the training camp work because he was working a lot with the pass work. But in the preseason, 
he was only getting first and second down work, and then it was third down. It was it was P Ryan coming in for him. So it yeah. is interesting. I, I again, it could just be that they were trying to develop that aspect of his game, even if he's not that guy yet. You know what I mean? Like it could be let's give this guy some some uh, some run here in in camp and, and develop right. him. And whether he stays on the practice squad or on the roster is yet to be seen. All right, offensive line gets a little bit interesting. I think uh, Pete's got ten. Offensive lineman on his roster, 3.0. They've kept nine or 10 pretty much for for the Andy Reid era. There's been a couple years they had eight, but I think that was an outlier. Uh, So let's assume they're going to keep nine or 10. Um, What do you think? Are you going to check, raise, or hold, uh, fold, I'm sorry, on 10 offensive linemen? I'm going to check on it. I'm going to check on it. And and this is probably where I need to go back and say I am going to raise on four running backs because this is where maybe you get the Blake Bell kind of shiftiness where, you know, you fit Blake Bell in the roster more easily if you can trade a guy like Lucas Niang. My thing right now is that I think the offensive tackles, I think Wanya Morris has not been as impressive as he needs to be in case the team needs him to play right now. Um, and so I think that does kind of create a, a situation where they do need to have plenty of tackles and, and they have the 10 offensive linemen includes, excuse me, includes Niang, includes Prince Tego Onogo and Wanya Morris as, as backup offensive tackles right now. The thing is, I, I do think if Wanya can be the backup right tackle, I really like Prince Tego Onogo as that backup left tackle. I think Wanya has just looked uh, uncomfortable at left tackle, but I think he's looked fine as, as, a, as a backup at right tackle. So if you can just have those two, I think Niang hasn't looked bad this preseason. I think there's a chance an NFL team, you know, we traded Yasir Durant for a sixth round pick or seventh round pick at one point. I mean, Niang hasn't done Jack Diddley in the NFL. So, I mean, you know, there's, and neither did Yasir Durant. So, I mean, I think you can make a case there. And Yasir Durant was like an undrafted free agent too. Yeah. Um, so, there's a there's a case there's a chance they could find a trade partner for Niang uh, with all you know like a, a team like the Panthers their offensive line looks dreadful right now like maybe they could just use a veteran and and they'll throw a pick at it um, but you know that's where I'm checking it because you know I do think they don't they don't want to just get rid of him for no reason either um, you know and that's where I think ten could be very possible. They really it does feel like they have tremendous depth on the offensive line. Last week we when we did this conversation or two weeks ago. We talked about, is this the best offensive line they've had in the Patrick Mahomes era? Uh, we weren't sure at that time. I'm still not sure, but I'm pretty excited about what I've seen from them so far. Um, but you wonder how how many of these spots can they hold open for developmental players? Darian Kennard being one of those, Prince Tega being yeah. another one. Uh, you know, obviously your your starters are locked in with with zero question marks, and and you're happy with your starters with Smith, Tooney, Humphrey, Smith, and uh, and Taylor. With Allegretti being the first man off the bench for any of the interior spots, like you said, maybe they keep a swing tackle. Maybe they keep a backup left and right tackle. I think in the past they've generally kept three tackles and four guards on average. Um, this year maybe they flip that and go with with four tackles, uh, You know, keeping a, not a swing guy but one guy at each position, which allows you to – to really keep one year because obviously they're, they're not going to let him go after just drafting him at this point and Prince Tega Winogo. Uh, so that really leaves Niang and Darren Kennard as your last two uh, on the roster. You know, I, I think there's 
an argument for for keeping both. There's an argument for for getting rid of either one of them, um, or, or maybe trying to get Kennard on the practice squad, something like that, because uh, nobody's seen anything from Darian Kennard yet in the NFL either. Uh, so I'm going to say I, I'm going to fold on ten and say they're going to keep nine, and okay. and it's just a matter of which of those two guys, whether it's Kennard or Niang, that is off the roster. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's more typical of what they do for sure. And and that's the thing, you know, I, I say Prince Tego Onogo to me is like probably the best option for an immediate backup left tackle right now. If, if like, you know, knock on wood, but if something happens to 79, but that's the thing is you also could flip Tooney out to left tackle in a, in a pinch and then have Allegretti come in. And that might be your best five if that does happen. So maybe that's where Prince Tego Onogo is not as. It could be. Just don't open that door because people, people want to go down this path of saying, Hey, let's, he's the, He's going to be a tackle from now on. Tooney is not a tackle, but he's your no. emergency guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. right. That's offense. Yeah, that's the offense. Uh, uh, the defense, you know, is is has been a little bit less impressive in the preseason. Um, but let's start with defensive line, and let's talk about defensive tackles first. Uh, Pete has four. I think in the past you've got generally, you know, nine or ten total defensive linemen. Uh, whether that's four interior, six passers or, or edgers, um, you know, it could go either direction uh, or could be five and five. I think Pete's got five edge players and four interior, so nine total. Um, are you let, let's just let's go with the tackles first. Four defensive tackles. Check race fold on that. Yeah, uh, raise for sure. It's definitely going to be four defensive tackles to me. My thing is that. Are they going to bite the bullet and put Danny Shelton on the team over Naughty? Because I do think Danny Shelton is the better player. They'd, I'd rather have him on the field right now over Derek Naughty, but there's some salary situation where that's probably not going to be the case. So I'll tell you right now, my prediction is that Danny Shelton makes it to the practice squad, does not have to be signed to go through waivers, by the way. So he could be another guy that obviously can look out there, see what's available, but might come back with this sentiment. Down the later, uh, down the road later in the season, as, as it goes on, uh, Danny Shelton is, is is put onto the team because Jared Sapp has made this point. Uh, Danny Shelton's uh, has that veteran salary benefit where if he's on that week one roster, his his fully guaranteed his contract becomes fully guaranteed. But if he if he were to just come up on week two, it's it's not as much money. So um, I think you're going to see Danny Shelton start on the practice squad and then eventually replace Derek Nani. Derek Nani will be cut. And then he may even come back to the practice squad because I don't think Naughty is is I I I just don't think he's he's a capable player at, at this point anymore. I'm sorry. I I love wow. me some Derek Naughty. I really do. That's fairly bold. I mean, I think I think four is probably still the right number. You're right. I think I want to find room for for Danny Shelton. Um, I do think Charles Domenehu being uh, generally listed as a tackle, you know, could could throw these numbers off a little bit. He's not a tackle. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why we do that. <laughs> he's a defensive end. He's a defensive end. So, all right. So, if if Omenihu is an end, uh, and we're assuming we get the roster exemption first week for him, then your four tackle defensive tackles of Jones, Nadi, Coburn, and Wharton. Uh, you know, I, I think four is the right number. I'm definitely raising on that. I'm with you though. If there's a way to to get Shelton in over Nadi, I'd, I'd be all for it. I I doubt they do it, but I'd be curious to yeah. see. Let's talk about those edges, though. Uh, Pete's got five. Karloftis, Dana, Herring, 
Felix, Anaduke Uzama, and BJ Thompson. Uh, again, if you throw a Menhue on that list, that would be six edges uh, in the past years. You know, that, that sort of lined up with that six and four to get you to 10 total uh, defensive linemen. Um, what do you think? Check, raise, fold, five edges with that list. I, I do want to I do want to check here. I do want to check here. Um, and and maybe you know and well I should raise because they definitely are going to keep five defensive linemen. But Charles Omenihu's suspension actually kind of makes this easy on them because he does not have to be like put on the roster at first and then and then put to suspension. He actually just he gets an exemption like you mentioned, and so they don't have to worry about subjecting B.J. Thompson or Malik Herring into into waivers. But when he does come back, it, it will raise an interesting point because I do think Herring is is that inside-outside uh, depth guy for them that I think Spag is going to like to have at the bottom of the rotation. B.J. Thompson may, may be a game-day inactive type of player. And so, yeah. you know, when Omenihu comes back, you know, he makes the sense as a natural cut. But, shoot, what if he shows a little bit of a flash in certain situations, in, in this, you know, in those six games and another team, because he is a draft pick, you know, another team maybe that wanted him in the draft. Like, shoot, he's for waivers. Let's snag him. So it, it is interesting if they want to subject him to. Right now, I think if they subjected B.J. Thompson to waivers, he'd be fine. But you never know. Like, if he has to play in a pinch and makes a good play or something, you know, it's going to be interesting kind of how they handle that later on. Yeah, I'm going to check on this, too, because I, I agree. I, I'm not sure about Malik Herring. We'll, we'll see. I, I think he's an easy guy to, to cut and bring back uh, if they decide yeah, they wanted to. Uh, they don't want to, I'm sure they don't want to get rid of FAU or, or uh, BJ, obviously not FAU, but not BJ Thompson uh, either just at this point in their, in their careers. Uh, those are, those are draft picks. Those are, you know, this year's draft picks. I, I can't see BJ Thompson being cut yet. Uh, so to me, Malik Herring is, is the wild card there, or do they bring in, you know, uh, some, some other veteran, to help fortify this group. Uh, I still think that that's probably on the table. Um, maybe after week one, when veteran salaries are not guaranteed, just like you mentioned for, for Danny Shelton, that could be in play for a, a free agent, like a, uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap, you know, type player uh, for this season. You know, they're, they're going to need the depth here because they've got these developmental players at the bottom of the roster. So there is some concern about this, this group, I could see them wanting to go six strong here, even with uh, Amenahieu on uh, uh, on the suspension list. Yeah, and the the BJ Thompson thing, I totally agree with you. I don't think they want to cut him either. Um, but we have seen this team cut, you know, draft picks on day three, like Cornell Powell, uh, like Nazi Johnson, um, and and still get them back and and have them develop. And so maybe they they feel confident they can kind of repeat that with him if they have to do that. But you're right, Malik Herring. You know, I he, he's he's kind of that uh, in between guy at the bottom of the roster, but that's because he's not you know necessarily great at either, right? So he might be a guy you're right that they can just cut and, and bring back pretty easy, not think about it either. All right, let's move on to linebackers. This is an interesting interesting position this year, just because they've they've added Drew Tranquil to the to the list. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel are completely locked in. Uh, Pete's got five linebackers listed. The Chiefs have five linebackers every year except for 2020 when they had six. Uh, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to raise on the idea of five linebackers. I think that's a done deal. 
is there any conversation about that or who the fifth linebacker is? Yeah, I, it's not even a question. It's Ray's for sure. Um, Jack Cochran is, is the new, you know, uh, you know, Marcus Kemp or, you know, just this player that, that may not contribute to his actual side of the ball, but is a lock because of his special teams ability for phaser. It's not even it, like no one's even questioned it. And, and, because you could, probably could question, like, hey, if we have four linebackers and two of them are guys like Gay and Chanel that can play special teams plenty, uh, they, they should be able to at least. And Tranquil, too. Tranquil plays a ton of special teams, I should say. Yeah, you'd think we may not need a fifth linebacker, but it's a lock. Yeah, I mean, I think Cochran showed up a little bit this preseason game. He had a tackle for loss and, and, and another He had a couple. Player. You're right. I, I liked yeah. what I saw from him this preseason. You're right, 100%. Yeah, it seems like a sound tackler at least and somebody that you can – that's probably not going to embarrass you too much on defense uh, as a career special teamer. And I don't think the other guys that we thought might challenge him, I don't think a lot of them really have. So I I don't know that he's got much competition there. Uh, So we'll stick with five linebackers uh, with those five and move on to safeties. Uh, We've got Justin Reed, Brian Cook, Shamar Connor, Mike Edwards, and Deion Bush. So five on Pete's roster here in, in the past, they've kept, for the last couple of years, five. So it's, it's always 10 defensive backs generally, six corners, five or six and four corners and safeties are five and five. Right. Um, five safeties this year. Check raise fold. I'm, yeah, I'm raising five safeties. It, it, Deion Bush, you know, I, I, at first I didn't really consider him for this roster most of this offseason, but uh, the more we've gotten closer, the less cornerbacks we have the more I think uh, it makes sense that they just keep that fit safety to keep it at 10 defensive backs, like you mentioned. Deion Bush has been on each starting kickoff unit, kickoff and kickoff return. I think that tells you something, too. So, yeah, I think it's easy five safeties. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't see much much changing that list either. That feels pretty much like the linebacker room. Your top four are locked in. Your fifth guy's your special teamer, and, yeah. and, and we're moving on. Uh, cornerback might be a little interesting Pete's got five with McDuffie, Sneed, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, and Nick Jones uh, this year's draft pick as the as the fifth. Again, if we're keeping five safeties, five corners is the standard number. Right. Check raise fold on five corners and it being those five. Yeah, no, I'm 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 raising that because like you mentioned, it gets to 10 defensive backs. I think that's kind of what they want to do. But like I, I think it's funny. I think they can barely even get to five cornerbacks. I mean, we've gotten to this point in the preseason and we've lost, you know, I mean, Snead obviously is banged up. Um, so he's, he's one of those, but they've lost Nazi Johnson to injury, um, you know, and, and now they have Nick Jones with these fractured fingers that we don't know for sure if that's going to keep him out, you know, uh, for an extended period of time or not. So, you know, I think they barely can even get to five, let alone keep six, uh, you know, on the team. I think guys like Echo Boydo and Kalef Halasi are definitely practice squad guys. I, you know, Halasi's made... You know, I'm surprised he was an undrafted free agent, to be honest with you. I, I liked him before the draft as, as maybe a, a high day three pick. Um, and so maybe that play in the preseason he made will will g- grab someone's attention. But I think you're pretty safe having those guys in the practice squad along with whether it's, you know, I, <laughs> DiCaprio Boodle's kind of falling out of favor to me. Um, but you could see him stick around just because he's been here a couple of years. Um, I've liked Lamar Jackson, the 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 other Lamar Jackson, <laughs> the cornerback, uh, in, in, you know, for the Chiefs. I think he actually, if, if no one else wants him, he's in his third year now from Nebraska. I think he could be uh, another guy that they could feel good about having on the practice squad. So, But none of these guys need to be that fifth or sixth guy. And so 
to me, if Nick Jones is hurt, I mean, you might be looking at four cornerbacks, you know, and, and having a fifth one come up just from the practice squad that you don't necessarily need to keep on the 53. I don't know. It, it, it is interesting. That's why I'm going to check on this just because with Snead being up in the air, Nick Jones being up in the air, they might want to keep an extra guy on the roster. And, and again, it could be Boydo or, or Khalif. It could be, uh, you know, somebody else that they bring in off of somebody else's roster cut. Uh, they're pretty good at finding these guys and, and filling out that roster. With yeah. two injuries there, plus Nazi Johnson, so three injuries really at corner already. Uh, I don't think you want to get too thin there and start week one Thursday night game with only uh, three healthy corners yeah. uh, in, in that scenario. That's that's not necessarily ideal. So um, I'm going to hold off and, and wait and see what they do here because I think there could be one more move coming at corner. Yeah. And I get, you know, it's true, right? Like at some point you may just, even if the guy doesn't necessarily have to be under 53, you just give him the spot because you need enough guys at that spot. Right. And so a guy like Halasi to me, um, to me, he's the guy, uh, the next up, uh, I think Boydo needs another year. Um, even though they're excited about him, I just think Halasi has the size he can tackle. He was tackling really well. I think Boydo's needs a little bit. He's, he's a much lighter. And so, yeah, Halasi is a guy. Yeah, you're right. I think if they do need another guy up on that group, I think he's the guy that will be on the roster. Well, that does it for the primary part of the roster. Obviously, the special teams uh, specialist, they always have three. They're going to have three. There's no reason for us to, to play there. Uh, no, Not expecting any changes amongst your kicker, punter, or long snapper. Are you, Ron? No, we're not. But I do think <laughs> uh, I, I do think it is interesting, though, Stags. We, uh, we didn't really – we kind of talked about each position. But if you kind of look at the big picture, you know, this team – what we just did um, for the most part, well, Pete, I guess Pete's projection goes 26, 24, 26 offense, 24 defense. Uh, traditionally it has been 25 offense, 25 defense, um, you know, uh, for the 53 man roster. So, you know, it, it is interesting. It, you know, it's such a, an offensive driven league. It would make sense that maybe, you know, the offense gets a, a you know, an extra player on their side over the defense. Um, but I don't know. It's just an interesting point that yeah. maybe the quarterback thing. It's, it's interesting. That's why I think nine offensive linemen, and then he gets you to 25-25 with an extra corner to, to guard against Andrew. Yeah, there you go. But that's kind of where I'm leaning. But, yeah, we'll see how it plays out next week. I think we might even have a live show on tap. So I want to tease that a little bit here. But we'll talk We'll talk next week at roster cut down time. Uh, it'll be fun to see how the first 53 plays out, how this team shapes up for the season. You know, it feels like this team is pretty well set. You saw we didn't have a lot of disagreements, uh, only on the margins. There may be three or four spots up for grabs, but everybody else is pretty well locked in. Your Super Bowl champion team is coming back for another run. Uh, we'll be with you throughout. Make sure you check arrowheadpride.com for the latest content from all of us, uh, including Ron uh, and, and myself but also the rest of the roster here at arrowheadpride.com. We'll have it covered top to bottom. Make sure you like, rate, and review. Subscribe to all of the podcasts as well. There's a lot of good work being done here by this broader team, and we want to make sure that we have plenty to talk about over the next few weeks. So uh, stay with us. Thanks for joining us on the Out of Structure Podcast, and we will talk to you next week when we know the Chiefs 53-man roster.